And welcome to the human side of healthcare. Steve Love along with Thomas Miller. Today we have a topic we want to talk about related to supporting patients and their families. And that includes the role that chaplains play in caring for patients. We could not have a better person than we've got today. We have the Reverend Hazel Thomas. She's Director of Pastoral Care for Texas Health Resources, and she oversees faith and spirituality at Texas Health Hospitals here in the Metroplex. She's an ordained minister and has more than 25 years of experience working in hospitals and supporting patients and their families. Hazel, thank you for being with us. Thank you. For our listeners who may not realize this, what's a typical day like for a hospital chaplain? Well, we don't always know from day to day what our day is going to look like. However, we do know that there are usually um, areas within the hospital that are assigned to each chaplain, and so we will go make rounds, check us with the nurse and the other disciplinary team. Do you have a referral? Is there a patient or a family member that you have seen in the last 24 hours that would appreciate having a chaplain stop by? And that's part of what we do is we work from referrals. But we do go to all parts of the hospital. And then, of course, if something happens within the emergency department, then we respond to that and head toward there. When you're in a hospital, uh, especially a acute care hospital, sometimes they're just very exciting and happy moments, like in labor and delivery and newborns yeah. coming to this world. But also in hospitals, sometimes you see people on the very worst days of their lives. What is your overall strategy in helping those people cope when they're having one of the worst days of their life? Yeah, I agree with you, Steve. Most of the time when people come into the hospital, it's not by choice. The majority of the time, something unexpected has occurred, and in their life, it is considered a crisis. And so we want to be there and help them in the midst of that crisis. And the strategy that we really do rely on is we consider ourselves to be the experts in the human spirit. While pharmacy are the experts in medications, we really focus on the human spirit. And what can we do to help that particular person tap into their own strengths and tap into their own belief system to help them try to find meaning in the midst of the crisis? And then also find that hope so that they can move forward, And whether that's the patient or the family that's dealing with the crisis. You know, your work has got to be complex, too. And by that, I mean, we've had segments on this show where many times patients speak different languages. Many times patients are from different cultures. Definitely. You have to really be non-denominational because you want to give hope to people. You want to help them cope. You want to bring comfort and care to them. So... That's got to be tough when you're dealing, particularly if someone's agnostic or even an atheist. Right. We don't always know what we're walking into when we go into a patient's room. We're asking if we can be invited in to their situation. We want to be their support to them. 
like you said, we definitely live in a multicultural society. Um, we have people from all different countries, all different walks of life. That includes, like you said, language barriers might be different. Their faith and their culture is going to be different from what I may particularly represent in their eyes. But what I am there is not about me, but is about them. And so we really do want to make sure that we are helping the individual um, and focusing on what it is that helps them find meaning and purpose in the midst of the difficult time that brought them into the hospital. You know, I think you made an excellent point. It's really about them. And you, you really underscored that. You know, I mentioned a moment ago about sometimes those celebrations in a hospital. Yeah. Surgery went well. Yeah. It was successful. Obviously, newborns and when we bring a new life into the world. Are you called in to help celebrate and be part of that as well? We are, and we are very happy to do that. Some of our hospitals within Texas Health Resources provide different types of blessings when babies are born. That might be a verbal blessing, going in and saying a prayer over the the baby or some sort of ritual that the family finds meaningful. But then also some of our hospitals have printed out a card that uh, provides a blessing, a written blessing for them, and it's a keepsake that they get to take with them. So we really do enjoy being a part of the celebrations. Sometimes there are, uh, maybe on the oncology area, there are patients who have gotten into remission. They've gotten news that they they have gone through all of their cancer treatments and things are looking good, and the doctor has said, you're in remission. And so we like to partner with the rest of the staff and that patient and family and celebrate that, whether that's a ritual of ringing a bell or, you know, taking off something and saying, I'm not, this is not me anymore, and throwing the gown away and acting like they're not a patient and, you know, I get to be a person again. I'm not a patient anymore. Whatever it is, however we want, they want to celebrate, we want to celebrate with them as well. When I've been in hospitals, I've actually seen patients that would bring the chaplain in, and when they were finished with chemo, yeah. they had a ceremony to say, I finished chemo, and they would take any remaining medication, and, and they would walk to put it where they would return the medication, of course, yeah. uh, and celebrate that they had finished their treatment. Exactly, exactly. And we want to bless what they have as their future. And then they see new hope and they see new opportunities. And it's the part of their human spirit that we're connecting with in the midst of that celebration for them. So, yeah, we like to be there. I can only imagine the life of a chaplain <laughs> from happy moments to sad moments. Yeah. And, you know, it comes to mind I just can't fathom what the chaplains went through at Sandy Hook, you know, when they had to deal with those kind of situations. And not something maybe that nationwide, but a bad car wreck where family members lose their lives, where there are survivors. You have to sometimes feel very stressed at the end of the day. How do you cope with that stress? Well, really, everybody does it differently differently. In my history of being a chaplain, I have worked in disaster response. So there are places that I have been, specifically in New York City after September 11th, that I did a lot of work and 
processing with the, the different victims and families. So I understand acutely what it's like to go through a major disaster. But then at the same time, how do I cope with that? And that's, that is a personal question. I do rely heavily on my faith. Music is a huge part of my life. My parents, their starting careers were music ministry, and so music has just been in my life since before I was born, quite honestly. And so I rely on the words of the music and just listening to music. That's one of the ways that I de-stress, as we say. Uh, I also enjoy going to movies. Uh, I really enjoy spending time with friends that we've connected with at the, uh, our church, Arlington, First Baptist Arlington, where we attend church. And just spending time with family, going to niece and nephews, it, games, dance recitals, things like that. Just finding ways to get out of the situation and then move on and see what I have in my life keeping me going. For our listeners, and we certainly hope this doesn't happen, but we know it does, that unfortunately, as you say, end up in the hospital and they weren't planning to be there. Maybe they were in an accident. Maybe they came through the trauma unit. Can they request a chaplain when they come into the hospital? Many people may say, I didn't realize I could ask for a chaplain or spiritual leadership. Exactly, yes. Many times patients come through, they don't realize that that there is a chaplain on staff, or they think that the chaplains are only there if they're connected to a particular church or a denomination or a faith tradition. And we are there for anyone and everyone. We really want to help them in the midst of their difficult moment. And yes, make that referral. Tell the nurse, tell whoever it is that's in the room with you. If you want a chaplain to come and talk with you and listen and provide that spiritual and emotional support in the midst of that crisis, we want to be there for you. My final question is one that I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Okay. What called you to be a hospital chaplain? My, my calling is a little different than some others. Everybody has their own path to getting to become a chaplain. My bachelor's degree is a BBA from TCU, and I thought I was going into international business, so finance and foreign language was what I was aiming for. And for two and a half years, I pounded the pavement trying to find a job, and there just wasn't a job out there. They all said I was nice, but nobody was hiring. (laughs) And so I began to rethink, what is it that I really want to do, and where is it that I really want to spend my time? And as I had that conversation with myself and God, it was really ministry and church, and my faith is really what I wanted to do. And so as I was at seminary, One of my classes was ethics, and during that ethics class, the professor started talking about chaplaincy and the fact that it's a a marriage, shall we say, between theology and psychology, and that just clicked every button in me. I was like, that's it. That's exactly what I'd want to do. And so I pursued chaplaincy at that point. I thought the only way to be a chaplain was in the military, and I really wasn't sure that I was being called into the military. Um, but it turns out that, yes, there are, ho- there are chaplains in hospitals. Um, where I got my training for uh, education beyond my master's degree, I did a residency at Baylor University Medical Center in Dallas, uh, did six units of clinical pastoral education, 
And then after that, I became a chaplain and been working as a chaplain, hospital settings, disaster relief, as I said earlier. Um, I've also done sports ministry. And before I was in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area, I was in Houston working in a neurological rehab hospital. Hazel, this show is called The Human Side of Healthcare. And all I can say is, through your ministry of supporting patients and their families, you truly underscore the human side of healthcare. And thank you for being with us. Thank you. Hazel Thomas Miller, let's uh, continue this conversation because this is very interesting. Certainly. One of the things that I wanted to ask you was some of the changes that you might have seen because you see all aspects of the public, right? Yes. So what kinds of changes have you seen in faith, religion, spirituality over the 25 years that you've been doing this? That's a great question. Um, Most of my time as a chaplain, I have worked in the South. I have been in Texas. I've been in Georgia, South Carolina. And then specifically when I was in uh, New York City after September 11th. So That actually is a part of the changes and the differences is how faith and a chaplain is viewed throughout our nation. Over the years, I would say probably in the early years, a chaplain was already an idea within hospital settings, and so we were welcomed. I think we are still welcomed, but we are finding new and different ways to work within the, the medical team and the interdisciplinary team. And it's not just about saying a prayer at the bedside, but it's so much more about tapping into that human spirit and really assessing what is going on with that particular patient, what are their personal struggles or strengths that we can encourage and help them as they're going through whatever their crisis or difficult moment is. Now, that's an interesting point right there because medical teams, obviously, every year to maintain their certifications, do continuing education. Right. Do you do the same? Oh, definitely. You're updating yourselves on the current trends. So as a professional chaplain, we... There are many of us uh, throughout the country that are board certified, and that board certification can come through a couple of different credentialing agencies. Mine happens to be with the Association of Professional Chaplains, and every year through that group, we have to turn in a record of 50 or more continuing education hours. Per year. Per year. Wow, that is substantial. Yes, it is. Okay, now, for somebody, you know, you you mentioned that you were searching and this found you. Somebody might be listening to this. Sure. And it might be pricking their their spirit and their soul of lean into this. You need to listen, right? What are the degrees? What is the educational path that is absolutely necessary? And then is this something that also maybe a part B to that, that people can get into later in life, maybe as a retired kind of thing? And what would they need to do to prepare? There are a lot of chaplains out there. This is their second career. So definitely. Kind of thought that might be the case. Yeah, yeah. It's becoming something that a first career, for me, it is my first career. It just happens to be different venues in different places. But yes, we have to have a bachelor's degree. It does not have to be in a particular religion or theological study. So as I said, mine is a bachelor, a BBA. 
but then you do need to have a master's degree. Most of the time, it is considered a master's of divinity or some sort of theological studies. It needs to have at least 80 hours in that program. It can have more, but it needs to have a minimum of 80 hours in that master's degree program. And then beyond that, Clinical pastoral education is really, a residency is really what a lot of hospitals are looking for these days because that is the minimum of what you need to get in to be board certified is having that clinical pastoral education, which is like on-the-job training. Similar to the medical residents, they have gone through all of their schooling and then they get to the hospitals and they do their work. It's the same sort of basis for what the chaplains do. This is kind of a question that you and Steve danced around a little bit, but I thought maybe I would just drill down a little bit more on, again, goes back to the faith in this culture today, Mm -hmm. that when you walk into that room, you're walking into, even with the family gathered, could be a very interfaith kind of gathering, right? Where not everybody believes, like not everybody is brand X. How do you personally dance that dance We really want to make sure that they understand that we are open to what it is that they find as helpful and meaningful. A lot of times when I will walk into a room and I see that obviously it's somebody from a different background than I share, then I will want to explain my role on the medical team and make sure that they understand or they feel that I am there for anyone and everyone, not just because oh, I'm only looking for the Baptist, or I'm only looking for the the denominations that I understand. Sure, I want to be there to help encourage and support whatever it is that they need and be that liaison maybe to the rest of the medical team to help them understand the cultural differences, the rest of the team understand the cultural differences that that Hindu may be bringing and wanting different rituals that the hospital isn't, isn't aware of. And I would imagine that's part of that. 50 hours. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Yes. Well, that's, this has just been amazing. Thank you so much. What a fascinating conversation. And uh, we really appreciate you stopping by and, and sharing this with us. Thanks. I've enjoyed it.